Hi all, and welcome to our second episode of Not Another Teen Wolf podcast, Hyperball's new podcast focusing on MTV's Teen Wolf. Uh, Last week, well two weeks ago, we brought you our first episode, which was just an inaugural episode getting to know us and our thoughts about the show, but now we have our first actual recap episode focusing on episodes one and episodes two of the first season. If you've enjoyed our first show or managed to get a hold of us in the last couple of weeks, we really appreciate it. We didn't know if we'd have any followers at all. And if you do want to get in touch now, uh, you can contact us on Twitter, which is NATW Podcast, as in Not Another Teen Wolf Podcast, on Twitter. Uh, We have a Tumblr, which is the full word Not Another Teen Wolf Podcast on Tumblr. And then you can email us, natwpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can come over to Hyperball, comment on any of the episode pages or any of the news pages about Teen Wolf. I'm Natalie, I'm one of your hosts, and our second host is Karen, who will be leading our episode discussions straight away for the first episode, episode one, season one, Wolf Moon. Okay, yes. And the funny thing about this is I didn't even know this episode had a name until tonight because on Netflix it just calls it Pilot. Like the first episode of every every TV show. Right. Okay, so the episode goes right into basically the first thing that happens is that, you know, Scott gets bitten and weird things start to happen to him. He's able to hear things from far away. He heals really quickly, that sort of thing. Styles, his best friend, jokes about it being lycanthropy, but he soon figures out that Scott actually is a werewolf now. And despite all the warnings that he gets from Styles, Scott goes out with Allison, this new girl at school that he meets. This is bad because the werewolf change is triggered by a racing pulse, which is the effect that Allison has on Scott. They go to a party. Scott starts feeling really weird. He leaves her there and she's taken home by Derek, this mysterious guy that nobody really knows anything about. And Scott's tricked into thinking that Derek has Allison because he had her coat. But Derek was actually just trying to protect Allison from Scott. And he says that he wants to help him learn how to control the change, the werewolf change. Then they're tracked down by hunters, and Scott soon finds out that one of the hunters is actually Allison's dad. Well, that's pretty intense. Pretty pretty intense first episode. It really drops you straight in there. I was definitely hooked from the first episode. A lot of people say, oh, you know, with most shows, a lot of people say, oh, you have to get through the first one or two, three episodes. Oh, no, it gets really good by episode four or something like that. And while this show definitely does improve, I really like it as a pilot. I think it's a really good pilot episode. It, it kind of fills in everything you need to know, and it just sort of goes in no holds barred straight away. So, yay that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I noticed, too, looking back on the episode, it has a lot of exposition, which is usual for a pilot episode, but we get a lot of characters right away. We we meet a whole lot of people in this first episode, and I think that's part of the reason why, for me, I mean, I love the pilot and everything, but looking back on it now, it was like a lot of information thrown at you, and you can really see the change between this one and the next one, which is more about plot and story. Yeah, for sure. As we stated last week, there are a lot of really funny lines in Teen Wolf. There's a lot of really funny writing, and we did get some of that straight away. I know there were points in this where I, the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, this this show and me, we're going to work out just fine because of some of the jokes <laughs> and stuff made into it. Did you have any in particular? 
I had tons. The the one that I really like that I don't honestly think I caught the first time that I watched this was when Styles says, I've been scarlet murdered <gasps> by Me you. too. I wrote that down <laughs> and I didn't catch it the first time either. I was like, oh, yeah. that is brilliant. It's just sort of, yeah, he just sort of slips it in there and it's, yeah, it's yeah, really funny. That scene actually made me wonder whether, because in that scene, Styles sort of, you know, is trying to get Lydia's attention and, and doesn't because allegedly that he's been scarlet nerded by Scott. Do we think that Scott hasn't lived in Beacon Hills as long as Styles? Like that Styles used to be vaguely averagely normal and, and that Scott's a super nerd and, and him being friends with Scott has brought him down? Like what do you think he meant by that? To me, I didn't notice it the first time either, but I wondered if it you know, he was saying, Oh, it's it's your fault that she doesn't like me, you know, you've you've brought my status down. What's with that? Yeah, I didn't get that at all. I kind of took it as he was just joking with Scott and that he didn't actually mean it like that, that he was just, you know, blaming him when yeah, he knows. Yeah, just passing it off. Probably, oh, but it did yeah. make... I both noticed the quote. I both noticed the quote and was also curious about whether it was actually meant to mean that, you know, like in Buffy again, that, you know, she was an, a newcomer, that Scott was a new, a, a vague newcomer of the past couple of years and that... In his youth, Styles used to be cool or something like that. That made me wonder, though, like how, I mean, are they really that nerdy? I never, I know he says that line and they're not exactly popular, but I never really think of Styles or Scott as being super nerdy. I noticed that later in, in the episode as well when the other student comes up to Scott and Styles and kind of makes a comment saying, oh, that new girl's only been here one day and she's already hanging with Jackson and Lydia's clique. But it's like Scott and Styles were kind of in Jackson and Lydia's clique as well. They don't sit with them and, and things, but they're at all of the parties. And, and, you know, the party that happens later in the episode, Styles is there even though he's not first line. And it just makes me wonder, you know, how, like you said, how un- uncool they actually are. Any other any other quotes from you? Another one that I really liked was when Styles' mom said, I'm not going to end up on some reality TV show with a pregnant 16-year-old, which makes me laugh every time because MTV is the one that has those TV shows like 16 and Pregnant. And I just thought that was a really funny jab at, you know, MTV, which obviously hosts this show. So that one always makes me laugh. Um, I personally straight away was struck with Styles when he, in the very first scene when he comes to... Scott's place and tells Scott that they found a body in the woods, that his his father, the policeman, found a body in the woods. And <laughs> Scott, because he's so vague, and, and he says, a dead body? <laughs> and he's like, a dead body? No, a body of water. And I was just like, again, it was just so naturally thrown in there, and it was it was just beautiful and almost immediate into the episode, and so that was hysterical. But in my opinion, the probably the funniest line in the whole episode, far and away was when Scott's skills start to improve and he starts really showing some promise at lacrosse. Jackson, who's very stressed out and curious by this, comes up to him and and accuses him of being steroids, starts saying, where are you getting your juice? And Scott's like, what? And he says, where are you getting your juice? And he says, my mom does all the grocery shopping. It just (laughs) was stunning. It was just beautiful. And I can't even, just the delivery of it and the vagueness. And I like when shows have a lead character that is, might be a very good person, 
but is meant to be quite dumb. I really like. Yeah. I really like that. I, I really like. This is sort of a vaguely unrelated, well, completely unrelated point. But there's a co- ABC <laughs> comedy show called Happy Endings, and the lead character of that, Alex, played by Alicia Cuthbert, like it. She's the lead character, but she's so dumb, and it's not like a ditzy blonde kind of like. Oh, isn't it funny that she's dumb? It's not a major plot point. It's just that she never gets jokes that other people get or things like that. And it's just, I find that hysterical. And I find Scott's vagueness really, really funny. So I enjoyed that. I do too. That's one of my favorite things about his character is how he just, he's not always, I I wouldn't say that he's dumb as in not smart, but definitely dumb as in he just doesn't, he doesn't catch up with things as quickly as some of the other people do. And I really like that about his character. The one other quote that I have written down was from Coach, and he says, everything else is cream cheese. And I looked that up because I was like, I've never heard that before. Is that a saying or something? And it's actually, I don't know if you knew this, it's actually from the original Teen Wolf movie. Ah. Fox. And have you seen the movie? No, I think we're going to have to do an episode about the movie. Yeah. But no, I haven't. I've actually, I just found it on Netflix. I'm definitely going to plan on watching it and maybe doing a comparison column for Hypable or something like that, because I think that'll be really interesting. Okay, so now we're going to get into our discussion section and really try to pick apart this episode a little bit. The first point I had that I was actually wondering about was, do the main characters have any other friends other than each other? Because in this first episode, you see... Scott and Styles talking to the one girl who talks about Allison and how she's popular already and whatnot. Mm. And we don't really see her again after that. And even I'm thinking to Lydia was on the phone with somebody who wasn't Jackson because Jackson was in the hospital. And later on, Allison and Lydia become best friends. But I'm sure Lydia had a best friend before Allison. So who is it? And, you know, why don't we see any of them interacting with other people other than the people who eventually become werewolves themselves. Yeah, that's true. It, it, it is such a focal, you know, it's a, such a focal point on the main six in the show. They definitely really never interact. We, we get Danny, you know, coming into the group a bit later as well, but we never really see, like, Lydia's hosting this massive party, but is it just because it's a small town and, and she's got the cool house and she doesn't even know these people? Like, when Alison asks Lydia who Scott is in the lacrosse tryouts, Lydia says she doesn't really know who Scott is. And that was another thing that made me wonder if Scott's vaguely new and, and just hadn't come under Lydia's notice in the past couple of years. It does seem a bit odd that they, they haven't had any social groups at all, because as you said, it doesn't really seem like they're that uncool. Okay, my first thing that I noticed, like, straight off the bat with watching this episode... I possibly should have expected it because it is an MTV show, so it is part of their whole operation, it's part of the marketing, it's part of the way they make entertainment. But the way that music is used in the in the show is better than I've seen in, in most TV shows. It's In this first episode, straight off the bat, it's used so well, and it really, it's probably what sucked me in straight away, especially the opening scene where we, we meet Scott before he gets the bite, where he's just hanging out in his house, sort of brushing his teeth, they use Young the Giants, My Body. And I I didn't even know the song before the episode, and I think that's a mark of using music really well, where even if you don't know the song, even if it's a scene where it's not like, oh, I know this song in this scene, 
the music just makes the scene really powerful. And I, I found that with several scenes in this show with with that first scene with the lacrosse tryouts um, with Weezer's I Want You To and with the scene with Scott and Allison after they meet at Scott's work and he asks her out. I don't even know that song either, but I found that quite affecting. And so I just really love the way that music's used in this show and I it definitely does go on the whole season. If anyone has a, a master list of all of the songs from Teen Wolf, I would be very interested in checking that out. Yeah, I like the music too. I find, I think this is just me. I don't necessarily pick up on those things right away. I'm kind of like an overall picture sort of person. I don't hear the different parts. So the music really blends into the background. Not that I don't like subconsciously pick up on it, but it isn't at the forefront of my mind. But I do know like some of the action scenes and like the lacrosse scenes when the music just cuts over everything else. There's no dialogue or background sounds or anything. I really like when they do that. They have a lot of music that really pumps you up and really fits perfectly for the tone of the different scenes that they have. Yeah. I am not usually someone that picks up on it either, which is why it struck me so much with this, why, like how much I was getting into the music and noticing the music in the scenes. And, and I'm sure that's a, you know on purpose of MTV because they want to you know, sell music or promote music. And they often, I know when it airs on television, they kind of put up a little bit, like now playing in the scene at the bottom of the, the screen or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I very, very much enjoyed the music. So that was definitely a, the first draw for me for the show. Okay, the only other point I had was, other than the really funny lines, what did you think about the dialogue in general? This is sort of, I'm kind of a writer by trade, so I tend to pick up on dialogue a lot, and I thought it was kind of cheesy in some places, and some of it was a little cringeworthy, and I noticed that it really only stuck to this first episode. The second episode was a lot better, but did you think any of the dialogue was cheesy at all? What I noticed about it, I found that the delivery of some lines was a bit odd and unrealistic. I don't know if I would have thought cheesy, but not. it wasn't very natural. It was a bit gimmicky. It stuck out really strongly to me in a lot of the scenes between Scott and Styles, especially the first scene where we meet Styles coming down off Scott's porch. And it stuck out to me because you'd think that a kid hanging upside down on a porch would be like the cheesiest and gimmickiest thing in history. But the way that Dylan O'Brien delivers all his lines is just a lot more natural even when working with the cheesy dialogue. And I don't think Tyler Posey's a bad actor at all, but in that first scene it really stuck out to me that we had one kid being totally realistic, even though the the lines might have been ridiculous, and one kid who was kind of doing these gimmicky lines, and it really struck me. It just it mainly struck me just how above and beyond talented Dylan is, but I think that it is more to do with him having an unnatural ability to make anything come across well, whereas a a normal actor like everyone else in the show, it was a bit cheesy. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I had a couple of small points. The first one was I wanted to know what you thought about when Scott first meets Alison, he overhears with his superpowers that she it's her first day and that she's forgotten a pen. When she walks into his class, she sits down in front of him and without a word he hands her a pen. Is this super creepy or is it cute? Because I (laughs) am really tossing up whether it's like 
Edward Cullen mind reading creepy or <laughs> if it's like or if it's nice. I'm assuming that later on she finds out why he knew that. But do you think that that's attracting someone under false pretenses when they think, "Oh, he just gets me and it's actually that he's overheard her?" I think it's sweet. But at the same time, if I were her, I would seriously be questioning how this guy knew that she didn't have a pen. I mean, she kind of gives it like a quizzical look and then it's never brought up again. But like that would really bother me. Like, how did this guy know that I didn't have a pen? So, yeah, mostly sweet, maybe a little stalkerish. I found that a couple of times in the first two episodes, actually, with Alison, she puts up with a lot. She just doesn't question a lot. She clearly likes Scott a lot. But she just, the whole time, uh, there are many odd occurrences and she's just like, no, it's cool, I like you, I'll just, that's no big deal, I can do, I can deal with weird kind of thing. And I found that quite, I mean, it's nice, but I found that quite strange. I would be asking questions if I was her. The other thing I wanted to ask you is a lot of fans, I think, and it's a fair thing to say, you know, think that Jackson's really unnecessarily butthurt by Scott being suddenly talented, that he's very angry. I don't know whether it's to have the focus taken off him or whatever. But I found in this episode that Jackson really... I didn't read it like that this time. I found that he was more angry that Scott had improved in a way that he didn't necessarily think was realistic or fair which is totally true because Scott had obviously gotten the werewolf powers and that he was improved like crazy overnight and yes Jackson is somewhat psycho but his improvement Scott's improvement does seem dodgy so do you think that it you know Jackson kind of has any reason to be bitter about that or that that Scott deserves to have first line purely because of his werewolf powers because yes he is that skilled but it pretty much is like doping in the sense that if Scott was his natural self with his natural abilities he would not be able to play that well and he can only do it because he is has been unnaturally helped and while I don't think Jackson is having some big moral thing about you know Scott being doped he's definitely you know pissy because someone diverted attention from him for 5 seconds what do you think about Scott's elevated position with lacrosse in, in regards to all of this and Jackson's reaction to it? I think Jackson's reaction is really natural and him going straight to steroids, it makes a lot of sense to me. It's a very natural reaction. I think he sort of does have a right to be a little bitter about it and he should definitely be questioning it. My question is, is this the first day of practice or have they been practicing and this is like, you know, tryouts, like this is the day they're going to find out if they get cut or not? My thoughts were that it was the first practice of the year or of the term, like the semester. I'm not sure whether it's meant to be the start of the school year, but it's definitely meant to be first day back at school as was stated earlier in the episode, either for their year grade or for the semester. So clearly Scott's gone away on vacation and come back, you know, a superhero. And Right. Jake- well, I mean, I'm just thinking maybe he, like, practiced a lot over the summer or something. Yeah. Other than, there could be other reasons, but... Yeah, that's what I thought as well, that, you know, I guess that's what the coach should be thinking or that's what everyone would be thinking. Like, he just got, maybe he had a growth spurt and he just got really good or something like that. But I definitely, while Jackson is really extreme, and I think he, we obviously see him coming to Scott and seeking out steroids in the sense that he wants what Scott's getting, and so it's not some moral code thing. 
I definitely did see it this time as a bit more righteous than than I saw it the first time. The first time I was like, wow, this guy needs to calm down. But now I was a bit like, if that was happening, I'd be, what the hell is up with this kid as well? The other person I really noticed a difference with this time on this rewatch was Derek, which I think a lot of people have said about their rewatch. And what I wanted to ask you, because when we came into the show, when I started watching the show, I already knew who the lead characters were from friends having watched it and live tweeting, and so I knew Derek wasn't a villain. But you said that you started watching it right from the beginning. Did you think Derek was a bad guy at first? Yeah, I did actually. And I still, this is sort of, a while back I wrote, I think it was a news piece, or no, I think it was one of my columns. I said in there that Derek was a bad guy. And I had a lot of people in the comments say, oh no, I never thought that Derek was a bad guy or anything like that. I still think he's a bad guy, not in the sense that he's evil, but that in the sense that he's an antagonist. And I don't think there's any argument there because a lot of Scott's problems, especially in the first season, come because of Derek. Mm. Um, but when it first premiered, yeah, I definitely thought that Derek was a bad guy and that he was behind you know, what was happening with Scott. And I did think that he had bitten Scott. And, you know, when it was revealed later that he hadn't, I was pretty surprised to find out that there was another bad guy who was, you know, even worse than Derek. I do agree with you in the sense of that he's an antagonist, but I already knew that he was a lead character and that he probably wasn't kidnapping Allison to go and kill her or whatever. So I don't know if I lost a bit of what we were meant to be seeing through through knowing that before watching. What I did notice about Derek on this watch is how young and incompetent he was. The first time I sort of saw, oh, big gruff guy. This time I saw him and I saw him looking a lot younger than I remembered in the sense that I know he's only meant to be a few years older than Scott and Styles. He looks about 10, you know, 10 years older, but I think he's only meant to be about four or five years older than them. And I saw him and I saw that this time. I saw someone who looked young and who was putting on a front of being tough. I saw someone who was really trying to take control of the situation with Scott, but someone who's probably never been responsible in that way before or someone who's very... I thought originally that he was that sort of tough and, and bad. And while I think that he is obviously quite powerful, I really saw his sort of panic whenever he'd approach Scott. His his anger at Scott seemed really panicked, which makes sense because he's obviously trying to protect himself and protect other people from Scott and, and help Scott in a way. It kind of reminded me of, for my Glee listeners, when you first meet Blaine at Dalton and he helps Kurt and he comes across as all worldly and kind of older and gives him some advice that actually ends up being really bad advice. Then as you get to know the character more, you learn that that's kind of all a front and that Blaine is even more vulnerable than Kurt. And that's what I got from Derek in this, that he was really trying to take charge because he felt like he needed to and that someone else was in danger or that he could do something where he'd failed before because Derek obviously feels like he's failed before. And I really felt like he was putting on that front and I saw that when I wasn't seeing that before because I didn't know where he would, the character was going to go. Do you know what I mean? Have you seen that in any of your rewatches at all? Yeah, I definitely agree that he's a bit younger. And 
and doesn't really seem like he knows what he's doing. I think part of that is something that happens a lot in pilots, and that's the character's just very one-dimensional in this episode. I mean, later on, we learn a lot more about Derek, a lot more about what he wants, where he comes from, you know, everything that happened with Peter and all of that. And in this one, you don't really know a whole lot about him, so it's very easy to sort of see him as, you know, looking really young and not really know what he's doing and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, definitely as a pilot, watching it the first time without proper spoilers, I do think he's meant to come across as, you know, the big bad. But re-watching it, I wondered how many, how much further plot was known by the actors and, and if he was told anything about the further motivations, if you know what I mean, about Derek. Because it really did, I really did see a lot more layers in him than I'd been expecting to. But maybe that's just me projecting because I know what's coming. But his anger definitely mm-hmm. s- felt less one note and it felt more sort of panicked and he really didn't seem to know what he was doing, even though obviously Scott thought, "Oh my God, I'm intimidated by this guy." So yeah, that yeah. was my major point. But I had a lot, I had a lot more thoughts about Derek in the second episode, which we should get into now because that he became sort of a major player then. So that was episode one, Wolf Moon, and then we're going to go straight into episode one point two, which is called Second Chance at First Line. So in this episode, it starts at a lacrosse practice where Scott injures Jackson on the field because he is having trouble controlling his wolf powers and strengths. Jackson is injured in his shoulder and has to go to hospital. Derek comes and tells Scott that Scott can't play in the lacrosse game on Saturday, the first one of the season, because he will go wolf and reveal himself in front of everyone, possibly hurt someone. And then if that happens, that Derek will kill him because that will be Scott revealing the werewolves to everyone and then Derek will be in danger and and all other people will be in danger, not just from the hunters but from the general public. Scott and Stiles try to find the other half of the body that was found in the first episode because apparently they think this is the best solution to Scott's problem and getting Derek out of the way. They find the body on Derek's property. They find half a dead wolf buried on Derek's land and they undo a circle of wolfsbane that's been planted around the body and the wolf turns into a dead woman. So the dead body was a werewolf who was buried in their wolf form. This gets Derek arrested once they find the the body. They, you know, call down the police and and say they found the body on Derek's land and Styles gets Derek arrested. Styles goes into the police car and talks to Derek about what's going on and Derek basically doesn't tell him anything. He doesn't say that he didn't do it. He just tells that he's not the danger that Scott playing in that game is going to be the danger. Scott goes to Allison's house and lurks on her in wolf form when he's upset. When he sees his own reflection, he runs away, and then Mr. Argent, Allison's father, hits him with the car. He turns back into himself, and luckily Mr. Argent doesn't see that he's a werewolf. And when Allison comes out to see him, he says that they're all going to come watch Scott play in the game. So Scott goes and actually does end up playing, despite the fact that he's tried to get out of it several times before, tried to tell the coach several times before that he can't play. Scott does end up playing, though he plays a very poor first half, as Jackson has commanded everyone not to involve Scott in the game. When Scott does end up getting into it, he starts taking over it and winning the game for the whole team, but then he starts to to wolf out. He hears Allison's voice, uh, and it actually calms him and is able to use his abilities and not turn into a werewolf. After the game, he runs off because he's not sure if he can control himself 
himself and Alison finds him in the locker room and they kiss and he's forgiven for freaking out in the past episode. So they're sort of together now. In the meantime, Styles comes and tells Scott that Derek's been let out of jail because the woman who was found was attacked by an animal and animal is not people and so people is Derek and the police obviously don't know Derek is a, is a werewolf. Also that the body was found was Laura Hale, Derek's sister. So the plot thickens here a little bit and the very last scene is Jackson on the field, angry at Scott's success, picking up Scott's lacrosse glove and seeing the claw marks breaking through the fingertips of the glove. Derek sort of sees him doing this and just walks away in the distance, doesn't interact with Jackson and that's the end of the episode. So before we get into the discussion of the episode of the finer finer and deeper points, do you have any good quotes from this one? Yeah, this one wasn't quite as funny, I thought, as the last one, or at least it didn't have as many one-liners, but there were a couple of good ones. I really like when Styles is all hyped up on Adderall, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just goes a mile a minute. He's hilarious when he's like that, and I like when he just busts in Scott's room, and he's like, what did you find? Where did you find it? And he's like, and yes, I've had a lot of Adderall. Also, the scene between him and his father, when he talks about lying, he's like, well, what do you define <laughs> as lying? And he's like, reclining in a horizontal Dylan O'Brien is such a physical Mm. comedy kind of actor and he's so good at those sort of things and like you said before he's so natural that just anything he says and does makes me laugh But one of the ones that wasn't Styles is what Allison said when she said, I can handle weird. And I just, that line, I don't know, always sort of gets me. It's very touching. And obviously she doesn't know how weird things are going to get. But it kind of shows how much she really likes Scott. Because even though he did sort of freak out on her and she was like, okay, I'm not going to answer all your weird like soccer questions right now. She forgives him and she doesn't really mind I, again, there were not that many one-liners in this episode, but some of the scenes I found were fantastic. Even the very first scene in the episode where Scott is having that freak-out about discovering Allison's father is one of the hunters. Giles is kind of just firing stuff at him, and Scott's not even hearing him just saying, her dad shot me with a crossbow in in between what (laughs) Giles is saying, and his freak-out of basically nearly crying is... I found that so funny. I really I really liked that scene. I really liked another scene between Scott and his mum where she comes in and says, oh, what's wrong with your eyes? And he's just like, I'm really tired. And then she's like, you're not on drugs, are you? And he says, right now? And she says, have you ever taken drugs? And he says, have you? I, for some reason, adored this scene because I just thought it was so... <laughs> It was funny, but it was also, like, so, to me, it was so good and so real and really decent because teenagers, you know, whatever, some teenagers do pot and this show isn't trying to pretend like these people aren't real teenagers and that comes across in many aspects later in in the season and as the show goes on. And as I was saying last week, they really don't hold back on anything and I really liked that little scene as a sort of realistic interaction between a teenager and a parent in that, you know, they're not pretending that Scott maybe hasn't smoked pot or whatever he was talking about in the past, but that it doesn't make him like a deadbeat stoner and all of that kind of thing. It just got me in a really good way. I really I really enjoyed that scene. And then there were a couple more in the lacrosse game when the coach and Styles are sitting watching and Scott's sort of wolfing out and intimidates the opposing team. And he says, did the opposing team just purposely pass us the ball? 
And <laughs> then Stell says, yes, I believe so, Coach. And he's just like, interesting. I found that hilarious. And, of course, this episode also had our first introduction, though we don't meet him, to Danny, where Scott is telling the coach that he can't play because of personal issues. And he says, is it a girl? And he's like, no. And he's like, is it a guy? And he's like, no, our goalie Danny's gay. Do you want to go out with him kind of thing? And I just love that because it was very representative of what we've discussed already. This show doesn't use gay humour in a negative way, that their perception of homosexuality is very different. And I thought that came across really strongly because, you know, a sports coach is obviously going to be the first person in a in a generic show that's like making that into a a thing but you kind of get it paints the picture straight away of the the world that we were talking about last week in that this is a this kind of progressive world in the sense of of prejudice and I really like that scene with the coach and Scott I found that really cool yeah I like that too and I like while we're talking about Danny his introduction in this episode was really small, but I really liked what we saw of him so far and how he questioned Jackson. It was like, look, why don't we just pass the ball to Scott? He's, mm. you know, going to score or whatever. And Danny, to me, is a really good person. He's a really good person because he knows he doesn't have the same sort of issues that Jackson has with the jealousy. And he's a team player. And to me, that just really showed in this scene during the, the lacrosse game. For sure. And it's awesome because, you know, it, I mean, it's good that Jackson has a friend that is a nice person yeah. <laughs> and and holds him back a little bit. And some of the stuff that comes up with Danny later on in, in that stuff that he says about Jackson is I find hysterical. But yeah, four for Danny, you go Danny. His introduction was cool. And, and I like that he stood up to Jackson a little bit as well. Like, it's clear that even though Jackson is, you know, the popular star, everyone does think he's kind of crazy. It's not like they all respect him totally. You see that with Lydia a bit in the episode as well, that he's so she's so desperate to keep him happy and, and to sort of stop him from being angry when she kind of threatens Scott with making sure that he wins. And then even in the hospital when Jackson's ill, when Jackson's injured, she's almost angry at Jackson as well. It's... It's like that she she knows that Jackson needs to be kept in this position where he feels on top or otherwise he's going to do crazy things. Another scene that I really liked that wasn't funny or anything but I really enjoyed anyway was the one when Scott and Styles were talking on webcam. And when this show first premiered in the States, it premiered um, Monday nights, 10 o'clock at night, Mm. And I will be the first to admit that I am the biggest wimp in the world. Like, I don't watch any scary movies or anything. I just, I can't handle it. I'm mm. a huge wimp. And when this scene came on, I was like hiding behind my hands because the webcam freezes and you only see part of what Styles typed in. I, I forget the exact words, but he basically says there's somebody behind yeah, you. Yeah, he says... It freezes says, halfway through. Yeah, he says it looks like, and he stops talking and he, right. he says it looks like, and then it freezes and then you know, someone's behind you, and then Derek yeah. attacks Scott in his room. That so. part just really freaked me out and kind of scared me a little bit. And that was, of course, before we knew that Derek is basically harmless. I mean, he's not going to kill Scott or anything like that. But yeah. I I really liked that scene, and I liked seeing it again, too. That one just always pops out in my mind when I think about this episode. Like I said before, I really liked this episode a lot more than the last one. Not that I didn't like the last one, but this to me felt like a more all-around plot line and episode that got us to the next step. Mm. The first thing I wanted to bring up was Lydia. And in this episode, Lydia is smart. 
she goes up to the chalkboard and she does the whole math equation. I mean, she doesn't even pause. She just goes and does it. Later on, she plays dumb pretty pretty convincingly, like with the chemicals and with a few other lines that she has throughout the next few episodes. And I was just kind of wondering, you know, was this maybe like a misstep or are we meant to see how smart she is and then that way we know later on that she's faking how dumb she is? I think it's the second one because I don't think that she ever really holds back in class. Like, she always does the, you know, the math stuff and I don't think anyone knows quite how smart she is and in the, you know, whole, like, Mensa, you know, Nobel Prize kind of way. But you Mm. do get pretty quickly that someone's saying to her within a few episodes' time that she doesn't have to dumb herself down to make Jackson feel better or or whatever it was. Right. Yeah, I think Um, that was Allison. Yeah, I think it was Allison as well. Obviously, we see her being competent in class here. I don't know if it gave us the full picture of quite how smart she is. But, yeah, I definitely do think we're meant to know that she is very, very smart and that she puts on this front. The other thing I was wondering about was... I know this has been brought up, spread around the fandom a little bit mm-hmm. about how Derek has this, you know, really run down house that's half burnt down and then he's got this super nice car, <laughs> and which, you know. Yeah, I was going to bring up the house as well, like the Hale house and him living there. Mm-hmm. The car is ridiculous, especially for being so yeah. young. But he basically lives in, I don't know if he even lives there, if he just hangs out lurking there if he lives somewhere else. We assume that he lives, when they go over to Derek's house, they go to the burnt-out shell of the Hale mansion. And I'm assuming he's just living there because he's sad and pathetic, like that he's not, that it's not like he can't afford to live somewhere else, but that he's got some serious troubles, if you know what I mean, and that's where he's hanging out. I think that Derek has some pretty serious, you know, angst and probably some guilt and stuff about everything that's happening. But yeah, I definitely, this episode I wrote down, like, why does he live in that house? Like, it's clearly not a sign of poverty, it's a sign of craziness. I was also wondering, too, right before they dig up the body, he gets in his car and he leaves, and I was just like, wait, where's he going? I mean, he doesn't exactly have friends, does he? I mean, his whole family's dead. Like, what is he doing, just going for a drive or whatever? I would think that maybe he... I don't even know what he would do in his spare time, but I assume most of it is spent lurking in his house. But I just kind of wanted to know where he was going in that scene. I was very confused about a lot of things about Derek in this episode of how accepting he was of being arrested. He didn't try to fight it. Like, he didn't say anything in regards to it and I was a bit confused maybe it was because he thought that if he brought it up he would seem like a real suspect and that he knew that he wasn't going to be actually punished for killing his sister because he knew that they'd find out that it was an animal that did it and they'd assume he was a human. As I said with the first episode, in this episode as well, I'm seeing a lot more of Derek's vulnerability. Uh, Like, to Scott, it must be scary, but I'm just sort of seeing this, like, blustering, hopeless boy kind of acting older than he is. And he really seems, in this episode, like, when he comes into Scott's house and everything that's going on, he seems really unsure of what to do now that he's sort of got this responsibility. And it just sort of confused me as to why he was as to why he was just so accepting of being arrested, unless he thought, oh, I couldn't get out of it. Why, when Styles got in the car and talked to him, he didn't say anything truthful, he didn't say anything useful, he didn't say, I didn't kill that girl, that girl was my sister, unless he was just willing to let it all play out. Also, when they suspected Derek of being the killer or finding the body, why wouldn't they tell the cops 
instantly rather than digging up the body themselves because in some circumstances you'd be like we can't tell the cops because they don't know about supernatural things and we know it was a supernatural thing but if, if there's like a manhunt for someone that had already been killed all you have to say is we saw some newly turned earth up at the Hale house. That might be a thing. And the police would go straight away there and they didn't have to go themselves. I don't know why they took it on to themselves to do that, really. Yeah, I, I don't know either now that you point that out. <laughs> it just seemed like Derek kept turning up to Scott and not providing anything useful. Like, all he does is pop up, literally, like, <laughs> apparate into position with his legs apart. You never see him arrive or leave, but it took him, like, three open-legged visits to tell Scott, don't morph in front of other people. He just kept showing up and not oh. saying anything useful. It took him, like, you should have opened with that, dude. Oh, that is my new favourite line. Took three open-legged <laughs> visits to... <laughs> Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, well, it's, it's true. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's very bizarre. Like, he just kept showing up, saying a confusing, threatening sentence, and then leaving. And that, to me, is a sign that he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Like, I don't know why he didn't explain to Scott and Styles the deal in regards to Laura. He doesn't deny it at all when Scott accuses him and when Styles accuses him. And it made me think maybe he thinks he deserves the punishment. Like, he's just letting it happen to him, and he thinks, even though he didn't kill her that he deserves to be suffering and tormented and in pain and angsty and so tragic. I just don't get it. Like, it's very strange to me. I also want to know why he buried her on the property. She was only in wolf form because the wolfsbane had been planted there. If he just handed her body in without wolfsbane, she would have just been a human. And I don't know why. Like, if my sister died, I wouldn't dig a hole in the backyard and bury her. Yeah, I think it probably has more to do with trust issues. Maybe the reason why he didn't tell Styles anything or didn't go to the cops is because the less he says, the more protected he is. I mean, he is a werewolf after all, and he has mm. to deal with everything that Scott deals with, even though he does have more control. But the less that people know about him, the safer he is, and probably the safer they are too as for why he may have buried her in his yard i mean maybe he just didn't you know maybe that was a proper burial type of thing he didn't want to hand her body over mm. maybe if they did tests or something it would come back as strange and they'd question him and maybe start to figure out what was going on speaking of which this brings up a good point that i believe we'll probably get into more with once we get into season three but his sister was a different kind of werewolf she changed into to an actual wolf and we know now that it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that she's female but I just was sort of curious what you thought about that the fact that she actually turned into a real wolf it does make me wonder if that's something that you it makes me wonder if it's something that happens the more powerful you get as a werewolf potentially I really don't know. I mean, it, it could be because they want us to still have, you know, our werewolves that are in the plot be able to kind of talk and look recognisable when they're an actual wolf. And so we only get the kind of wolf-man fuzziness as opposed to a full wolf. But it would be interesting if they did start turning into full wolves in the future. I, um, I'm suspecting we'll see a lot more of that in Season 3 as we're seeing a lot more power stuff happen there. The other point I wanted to make is, I don't know if you noticed this, but Scott, in the last episode and this episode, his amount of 
anger about being a werewolf and his amount of not acceptance really struck me quite strongly in the first two episodes and the way that he reacted to Styles as well. Like, he took out so much anger on Styles, and I don't know if it was just because he was having more aggression because of the transformation, but obviously he tried to punch Styles and then he tried to kill him in the locker room, and that was while morphed. But he's taking out so much anger on Styles, and when they're in the car after they find Laura's body, and he keeps, Styles keeps talking about werewolf stuff. And he, you know, he says, stop saying that word, stop saying werewolf. He really does keep almost blaming Styles or blaming Styles for being interested or involved when to me it really seems like Styles is just trying to help. And it also made me interested when Styles called the dispatch line for the cops and was speaking to, you know, whoever it was at the police station who clearly knew him as his father's son. It made me wonder if this is the first time Styles has needed to be taken seriously, that he's always been, you know, crazy and done these weird things just out of acting out. But now everyone still thinks he's just acting out, where he's actually deadly seriously trying to help or or in need, and how that must be for him coping with that. Because every time Scott or his father or whoever is sort of telling him off, he really just takes it like he's used to being told off, even though what he's doing is very serious now. I think to go back to the first point, why Scott gets so mad at Styles, I think it's sort of twofold. I mean, when you have, they're obviously very close. And when you have a best friend, you sort of feel like you can say anything to them, act any way to them. And I think he's just taking it out on Styles because he can. Because yeah. he knows that Styles won't get mad at him and won't stop being friends with him. Mm. But the other part of that is, too, that Styles accepted this whole scenario very quickly mm. and sort of moved past the whole shock thing and into, okay, how are we going to help you through this? And I think Scott is still working through the how am I going to get through this? And I think he's mad at Styles for accepting it when he's not in that place himself. That's a fair point, but it does make me a little bit upset at him because I, you know, because he keeps making Styles make this, like, kicked puppy face and then you sort of see him pull himself together. So clearly, I think Styles has that handle on it, but it does make me a bit Mm -hmm. sad that he's not appreciating it a bit more. Because if I was in that position, I would, like, help. And I would like someone else to be helping me so I don't have to maybe think about all the technicalities. Scott's not very appreciative of it. That's why I asked about whether you think, you know, this is the first time Styles had to be taken seriously because I feel like Styles is being very serious. He's not like, oh my god, this is awesome, this is so funny. But the way that everyone reacts to Styles, maybe they're taking it like that from him, if you know what I mean. When he's being dead serious, like about helping his dad, you know, arrest Derek and with helping Scott find all his stuff. He's not just being like, oh my god, this is so cool, I'm, you know, I'm just getting in the way. He's really trying to help, but people are taking it like he's just being crazy styles kind of thing. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. And I thought it must be quite frustrating for him the first time where he's like, no, this isn't just acting out about, you know, something that's making me hyper. I'm serious here. And making that transition of being taken seriously must be quite difficult. I actually had two more really quick questions. Yeah. Um, These are things that I honestly don't know the answer to, so I just kind of want your take on it. Mm. The first one is that when Allison takes her jacket out of her locker, we see through the eyes of a werewolf, because it has that red around the Mm. edges, that somebody's watching her. What I don't understand is, who is it? I don't think it's Scott. I don't know. That would be either... Do you think it's Scott? I kind of had assumed it's Scott, but I don't remember what happens directly afterwards to see that she had the jacket. Because he does go up to her and say that she's got it. 
I would assume it would either be Scott right. or Derek having just put it there or something like that. Do we ever see through Derek's point of view from werewolf eyes later in the season? I can't remember. I don't. Or do we always see so. Scott's point of view? I think it, yeah, I think it's always Scott. The reason why I didn't think it was Scott was because he wasn't around in that scene. And then, like you said later on, how he goes up to her and he's like, oh, you got your jacket back. But then I was thinking, okay, it's either got to be Derek or the Alpha, but... Part of me is like, well, okay, if it's the Alpha, obviously somebody would notice him. It's right in the middle of the day. And if it's Derek, why would he be like transforming like that or whatever? It just, it, not a big point, but it just kind of made me question, you know, who it was and why they were wolfing out right there. The other question was when Scott jumps off the roof at Allison's house and then her father hits him, <laughs> do you think... <laughs> do you think he is suspicious of Scott now and that's why he wants to go to the game or do you think it's more like well my daughter obviously likes this boy I'm gonna check up on him let's go to the game together I think that he was suspicious but not necessarily in a werewolf way in a oh we've just moved to this town and there's a boy lurking around my house for my daughter she's planning to go to his lacrosse game I'm gonna go check it out I thought that it was definitely like a, a suspicion thing. Though, you know, Chris Argent is, is quite a nice person and a good father, so it may have been, oh, my daughter's made a friend, I'll, I'll come along to that. It could go either way, but I definitely took it as a, a suspicion, but not like a suspicion of werewolfness, just a suspicion of boy near my daughter. Okay, that makes sense. Is there anything else about episode two before we go on to news for this week? Just that this is the episode where we first hear mention of Greenberg, and Coach <laughs> says, Greenberg, take a lap, faster, faster. So that's Yay, Greenberg. Giggle. I'm, holding, I'm, I'm holding out for a Greenberg episode. He's going to be the pinnacle on which I'm sure all of season five it will turn on, on the pinnacle of Greenberg. Oh yeah, I think this episode was the first time we said we see Allison wear non-school appropriate heels as well, which is a huge gripe I have with the way that they dress in the show. I mean, it becomes worse and worse. People end up wearing full-on stripper heels like Erica, but <laughs> if I went to a high school and got to wear my own clothes, I don't think I'd wear heels to school. I didn't go to a an American high school, obviously, and we had a school uniform. Did your school have a uniform? No, no, we didn't. <laughs> did, did anyone at your school wear shoes that were like that to school? No. I mean, I, I live out in the country, so most of the people around here aren't, you know, super fashionable or anything like that. I mean, there were girls who wore heels, but they were, yeah, like you said, <laughs> not quite so stripper heel. But yeah, I don't think anybody really dressed like that. But, you know, as far as it being a little improbable that they dressed like that, I do have to say that the whole cast is gorgeous and the fashion and everything. <laughs> and I always like what Lydia and Allison wear, regardless of whether it's appropriate for school or not. But yeah, that's true. Okay, so that was what we have to say about episode 1.2, as well as episode 1.1. If you think that we've missed any major points that we should have discussed around episode 1 and 2, well, we can't make this episode last for five hours, but please let us know your thoughts on those episodes and what stood out for you. Karen's going to go ahead and talk about all of the news that we've had this week for the Teen Wolf fandom season three and, and what's coming, and there is quite a lot because, as everyone knows, we recorded our first episode, we put it out, 
and then major drama went down. Yeah, we're going to talk about good news, and then really, really, really sad news, and then some really good news after that. So hopefully we'll pick you guys back up after we go really low on that second one. But the first one is about the fact that the first page of the season three premiere episode script was revealed. Um, We know from before that this is going to be titled Tattoo, and we have the first page here. Basically, not a whole lot happens, obviously, since it's the first page. But we come in on Isaac, and he's injured, and he's unconscious. And somebody is dragging him across the floor of a garage or a warehouse or something like that. And this mysterious girl wakes him up with jumper cables, which I found really funny. He becomes conscious again. Isaac says, my neck. And he's got two puncture holes at the nape of his neck. And the girl says, from their claws, it's how they share memories. And Isaac says, but I don't remember anything. And the girl says, also how they steal them. And then we're cut off. We have to wait for, you know, obviously the episode to premiere to find out what happens next. But what did you think about this first page of the script? I thought it was very intriguing. I'm excited for this girl character who seems to be somewhat of an ally saving Isaac. I'm assuming that the people that he's had a run in was the the Alpha Pack that's to come and, and maybe she was someone who used to be in the Alpha Pack and has defected or another Omega, we'll have to see, but it's it's very curious to me. It sounds like a real cold open, so wondering, you know, what has just happened to Isaac and what if they've taken everything, all his memories from him or just memories of being captured. What were your impressions or theories? I was really impressed with this first page. It kind of drops you right into the action, which I like. I don't really like the slow startups, like when we start off right with, you know, a car chase or some explosions or something like that. So I really like just being dropped in here. Definitely intrigued about the girl. And with some of these characters, you always have to wonder, are they, you know, really bad guys? Are they good guys? Are they bad guys pretending to be good guys? So, I mean, to find out what's going to happen with her, I'm definitely interested in that. Also, I was like, no, Isaac is injured, but I'm pretty sure we can assume because he's a full character now that he's going to be fine and everything like that. And Jeff Davis also pointed out that this first scene is going to be followed up by a good motorcycle chase. So I'm really (laughs) excited about that too. That sounds fun. Okay, so our second piece of news is really sad and I'm sure you guys have already heard it, but Colton Haynes, who plays Jackson, will not be returning this season. The report initially came from Us Weekly, who said that a source stated that Colton is leaving Teen Wolf. It's not that he didn't want to return, because he did. And this part we found out later on isn't exactly true, but the initial report said that it's that the heads of the show wanted to limit him only to appearing on half the season, 12 episodes, not 24. And this same source said that he's being forced off the show. We know now that That's not actually true. He was offered two full seasons, and he just never returned with a yes or no, so it sort of fell through. E! Online also reported on the news saying that sources tell us that Haynes' exit from the show is due to failed contract negotiations, and they're the ones that state correctly a lucrative offer from two more seasons, 40 episodes, was made to Haynes, but his team sat on the decision for almost two months, and they say that we're hearing that he was up for a role in New Pilot. I initially didn't want to report on this because I was like, no, this can't be true. I mean, Jackson, the whole second season was practically about him. And then the ending, spoiler alert if you haven't gotten there yet, is him turning into a werewolf. And, you know, 
the third season was supposed to, we're supposed to discover more about him and about why his eyes are blue and all that other stuff. And now Jackson's gone. So that was a little confusing. And it was, in addition to that, Colton tweeted out, these past few years have been the best of my life. I'm sad that this chapter has ended, but excited for a new one to begin. Thanks for the love. And some people were like, well, you know, it might not be about this thing because he was supposed to be moving. And it was actually around this day that all this happened was when he was supposed to be moving. So people were like, no, 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 it's got to be about him moving to a new place or whatever. It can't be about him leaving. But unfortunately, second report, MTV confirmed that he is leaving Teen Wolf. And this started off with Jeff, the creator, saying, honestly, just as shocked and confused as you guys. And then MTV followed that up with a Facebook post that said, we were just as surprised and disappointed as Colton's fans to read out about his decision to leave the show. We want him to return for a third season as he has for the past two. But if this is his decision, we respect that. And we'll wish him all the best. We are excited for what Jeff Davis and producers have in store for our incredible cast in the upcoming third season. And so, so, you know, fans all around the world sort of just sat back and went, oh, my God, it's true. What's going to happen now? So, Natalie, what were your first reactions to this? I found this so bizarre. And basically everyone of my friends on, on my feed who had seen Teen Wolf were reacting the same way. My first acknowledgement of this was when Colton did tweet. And I was just like, what? 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 No. And then when Jeff tweeted saying, I don't know what's going on either, that was when I was like, okay, what is going on here? Because it just seems to me so bizarre. Because the second season, it does end with a setup for the plot line to be his plot the whole season, basically. Like a Jackson redemption story or a Jackson kind of becoming a wolf or whatever. It wasn't like he died, you know, in, in that last scene. And it was that he became a werewolf. And I just found it completely insane that they'd been saying that the first scripts had been sent around. All the cast members were saying, I've got the first episode of season three. You know, Jeff Davis reported finishing the script a couple of weeks ago. Surely if you've got your script written, you have your actors' contracts locked in because you need to know what plot you're writing. And I was just like, how could he be leaving at this point? If we'd known sometime a few months ago, that might have been different, though I would have been annoyed. I don't know how they're just going to write him out without... Do you think he's going to come on and do a few episodes in which he leaves? Or how are they going to do this? I, I, I don't think so. From what I've gathered through multiple reports and stuff like that is that Jeff was writing the script and that he hadn't heard anything from Colton or his team. So he sort of just kept going with the knowledge that maybe Jackson wouldn't be in the first few episodes. Because apparently he has like the first five plotted out completely or something like that. So I think he sort of had that in the back of his mind where he was working around the fact that, okay, well, maybe as, you know, crazy as this sounds, you know, he won't be coming back. So I'm going to start off the first episode without Jackson or something like that. I don't think he's going to be making any guest appearances this season he might return for something next season they did say that they're going to leave it open for him we also know that they're not killing jackson off that he will be written smoothly out of the show at least 
put in the background, I think, is probably the better way to put it. And that, like I said, the door will be open. I don't understand how you can write that ending of the season and then write that character out smoothly. Well, the funny thing is, and I think this probably plays well into Jeff's hands, is that they actually shot that last scene with Jackson two different ways. One way was the way that we saw, and the other way was that Jackson actually died. And even Colton didn't know which one it was going to be. They didn't decide until the last minute. So I think Jeff always knew in the back of his head, maybe he had these two different paths that he could walk down, one where Jackson was dead and the other where he was alive and we were going to continue his story. So I think that probably plays into his hands a little bit. At least he has some idea of where he would have gone if Jackson had died. I'm very distressed because Jackson was becoming not my favorite character in, you know, that he's good and charming, but I was becoming the most interested in his storyline and now I'm just very confused. And I'm hoping it's going to be like when Glee fired Cordover Street and then he was like, well, they didn't didn't fire him, but when Glee let Cordover Street go um, by making the other newer guys regulars and him not a regular and he was like, yeah, peace. And then half a season later they were like, we kind of need you back on this show because we've realized that everyone really liked you so you can come back and be a regular now and so I'm hoping that maybe maybe he'll come back even though I feel like this was much more his choice they obviously wanted him very badly and whereas Glee were kind of bitten but I'm hoping that maybe he'll realize how much he's wanted and and what a good thing it would be and he would choose to come back maybe Yeah, that's what confuses me so much is because we know that the cast and the crew together are very close on this show. The main characters, or the main actors, I should say, they're all very close friends. And even Tyler Posey and Colton Haynes, I mean, they call each other best friends and everything. So everybody gets along really well. The show is literally just starting to take off. I mean, it's really, it's not at its peak yet. It's getting there because it just got, you know, its third season, 24 episodes, double what it had before. To me, what makes this so surprising is that this is a very strange time to walk away from a show that is seemingly going to become even more popular than it already is. I can't imagine why he would walk away from this. And I'm not, you know, like blaming him or anything because maybe he did have, you know, a better opportunity and I'm totally in support of that. But it was very strange timing to just suddenly be like, okay, well, yeah, I'm not coming back. Maybe he doesn't want to be famous maybe he I mean he's an actor but maybe he like it's like oh no this has gotten too big I actually don't want to be involved with something this high profile I, I, I want to do smaller stuff I, I mean that that's a mm-hmm. sounds a bit weird but it could be a thing I don't know if he's very ambitious or if he kind of doesn't want that but you know some people get involved Andrew Garfield uh, when he took the role of Spider-Man he almost didn't take it because he didn't he wasn't 100% sure if he wanted to be that famous if you know what I mean because Andrew Garfield fairly famous but he's done a lot of independent movies and most people who follow his career kind of know what he's about and he's pretty chill and he's pretty shy and acting for him is an art or whatever but it's not he was never after the kind of the fame and or really even Hollywood at all and he took Spider-Man because he's obsessed with Spider-Man and he was like I can't not I can't not they want me to be Spider-Man but he (laughs) almost didn't take it because he didn't want to be that famous Uh, it's definitely a possibility and the same parallel can be drawn with Jennifer Lawrence because she almost didn't take the Hunger Games either until her mom told her, what are you, crazy? You know, definitely do it. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a possibility. I hope eventually we find out what it was all about and maybe, you know, he does have a better opportunity and good on him if he does. But, yeah, I'd really like to know why why he decided not to come back. 
I'm kind of wondering, like, the only way I can see them writing him out of the show is maybe now that he's finally become a werewolf, he's like, oh my god, I'm a werewolf, and he, like, runs away or something, and he just leaves town and doesn't come back, and that would obviously keep him alive, and allow him to come back if he ever wanted to yeah. but I'm I'm really interested to see how they're going to write him out of the show. What effect do you think that this will have on Lydia? Because we did see that their relationship came to a point where it was really in love and they'd given in to their sort of devotion to each other which to other people sometimes seem like a front but it basically the whole crux was that they were really in love and obviously Styles has been working to get Lydia, not, I mean not actively kind of trying to steal her but, but you know, has always sort of been there for Lydia and, and wanted to be with Lydia. And do you think that Jackson going would be something that would make that a possibility or something that would that make that a take that totally off the table because she's not going to get over Jackson now that he's gone? Well, I think that this is going to have a huge effect on her just because they sort of put aside all of their differences, realize how much they did love each other. I mean, her love literally saved him from being the Kanama. Yeah. And I think, let's just pretend he does leave town, that that's what's going to happen. I mean, yeah. for him to just drop her like that, it's, yeah. I think it's really going to mess with her head yeah, after too. her head has been messed with yeah. you know, so much. But as far as Styles goes, we did hear at the New York Comic Con, and I'll get to this in a little bit, but mm-hmm. Styles and Scott are going to sort of move away from Allison and Lydia, and the Lydia and Styles thing is going to become more of a friendship. So I think Styles is going to be there to support Lydia, but I don't think that it's going to come to anything romantic, at least not this season or Mm. in the first half of this season. I mean, I can totally see them, you know, season seven, you know, being like, oh, we finally decided to be together or something like that. But for now, I would really like them to be friends. Uh, Though I will say you you get a lot of kind of... in shows where you know someone's had a crush their whole life and then they get to know that person and the sort of the scales fall from their eyes and while they're still friends it's like oh I've gotten to know who you really are and now I sort of don't want to be with you I had a false idea of you Styles' feelings about Lydia to me always didn't quite seem like that they seemed a bit more real in the sense that he liked her because he saw stuff about her that other people didn't see rather than just having kind of a a crazy you know oh that's the hot girl I've got a crush on her kind of thing so I do think that his love for her was quite real it wasn't like that kind of false crush or whatever but I do see their relationship strengthening as friends. I, I don't think I want them to just get together now if Jackson is, is just gone because I really think she's going to be messed up and I don't think that it would be... Yeah, I don't think that would be a very good plot line for them them to get together. It is going to be hard for me to watch her, I think, um, if, if she is very traumatised, though I'm wondering if she might just sort of put on a front and be like, well, you know, screw that kind of thing. I just hope it flows really smoothly because the... You know, last scene of the last episode was so focused on him and her and for them to just be like, oh, well, that kind of didn't matter. That felt like, to me, a very kind of glee thing to do. And uh, I'd like this to be really worked on really carefully and have it be a, even though it wasn't their choice for it to happen, for them to make a really solid plot out of it. Yeah, I have complete faith in Jeff Davis. I think he has, his writing skills are really high up there. And I think if he says that they'll be able to write Jackson out, and he did say that, he said it'll be smooth, they're going to have to move some things around, but it's not a huge deal. And I think he 
as surprised as he was, I think he sort of did think of this as a possibility, like I said before, with mm. the alternate ending. So, I, yeah, I have faith in him. I think he's going to be able to do it justice. Well, good. <laughs> okay, so our last thing, now that we're all really sad, is the Season 3 spoilers that we've got that came out of um, New York Comic Con and a few other places, but mostly out of the panel that Jeff Davis and Tyler Posey was on. I'm going to try to get through this pretty quickly because we are um, running a bit on time, but we've got quite a few points here. Okay, the first thing is that Lydia will be made a part of Scott's pack, and I'm doing air quotes right now in case you can't see me, um, because Scott obviously doesn't actually have a pack. He has a sort of ragtag human, hunter, werewolf, weird person with immunity pack, and um, this season will explore her immunity a bit more, which I'm excited about because I'm really curious about that. Um, like I said before, Scott and Styles will have moved past Lydia and Allison, and I know I said before how I wanted Styles to be with Lydia because I wanted him to win at something but after sitting on this for a couple of weeks since the last episode I kind of really like the idea of them becoming best friends and you know the fact that she's going to be relying on Styles, this person that she never even noticed before mm. I really like the idea of that and I, I don't mind so much now that Styles will have moved on from Lydia yeah, I find it harder to believe mm -hmm. that Scott's apparently moved on from Allison. How Jeff described it was that this is a very, he's maturing a lot and he's made a very adult decision to give Allison her space because he knows that they will be together eventually because he believes that it's fate. So to me, it does make some sense because he's like, okay, she needs a break. I need a break. I'm a werewolf. Like, what's going on? You know, all these crazy things are happening. We just need some space, time to figure things out. We'll yeah. be together eventually. Until then, we'll just go with the flow. The next thing is, and I find this really interesting, the season overall is going to be about women finding their power, which I'm really excited about because, yay, strong women, um, which I think this show does a really good job with, especially with Allison before she went crazy and sort of freaked me out. You know, <laughs> yeah. strong women is definitely a good thing. Also, they have a quote they've pinned up in their writing room, which is, be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. And Jeff Davis says that Derek was born great, Peter achieved greatness, and Scott had greatness thrust upon him. Uh -huh. And he's going to have to learn to accept that this season. So I'm really interested in that, too, because I know we talked a bit about in the last episode how Scott isn't necessarily the greatest leader in the world, then again, neither is Derek, mm -hmm. but that some people don't want to see Scott become an alpha because they don't think that he's fit to do it. But I think this season, I definitely think that the show is heading towards Scott becoming an alpha eventually. And I think that this season is sort of going to be to prove to people that Scott is capable of doing it. I think we're going to see a lot of maturity in him this season. I'd be mm -hmm. interested to see if there's a plot in which someone could become not an alpha, if you know what I mean, like go from alpha to beta without dying. And potentially if that could happen for Derek, that might be good for his soul, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> and his ego maybe? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I do think that that's a good, a good comparison to make and that Scott, I'm sure that it will be a plot point. It would just be nice if he could employ a little bit more logic at points. <laughs> yeah. 
moving on here, we've got just a quick thing about how in the pilot episode, which is, you know, convenient since we just went over it, Derek says to Scott, we're brothers now, and that's going to come more into play this season, which I'm glad about because I want to see more Derek and Scott relying on each other and getting along. Yeah, totally. I definitely agree with that. It frustrates me so much whenever he... I mean, Derek is making some bad life choices at points, but whenever Scott really pushes it away and says, I'm not going to be with you or whatever, I I really find that quite stressful because I don't know why he's rejecting the idea of help and working it out together. Right. Back to Allison, what we were talking about before. In the premiere, we'll see Allison moving back to Beacon Hills with her father. And if um, you guys weren't aware, the premiere episode of season three is going to take place four months after the last episode of season two. So we're going to see Allison moving back to Beacon Hills with her father, but on the condition that they both hang up their hunting gear for good. They're not going to be hunters anymore. And also Jeff says that Allison is going to get a redemption story this season. We're going to start to like her again. Okay, so where have they been in the meantime then? I mean, they've had obviously the death of the mother and Kate and who knows where Gerard is, hopefully dead. So maybe they, they went away for the, the summer or something and they're, and they're coming back. It, it will be interesting. I would really like to, even more so than Alison, I want to see, like, Chris involved in Scott's story, like what he can bring to mm-hmm. the table if he's not a hunter, if you know what I mean, like what potential help yeah. he could be, and for him to obviously learn more about the wolves as people and see. I'm sure that we're going to have some interaction with maybe Chris and, and Deacon, the vet, that they're going to maybe work together to be helpful and and my theory that maybe Deacon was a hunter that left because he got to know a werewolf as a human and didn't want to hunt them or whatever that he might pass that on to Chris we'll see my question is why would you move back to Beacon Hills which feels like the center of you know everything werewolf Mm. and then decide to hang up your hunting gear like I'd either continue hunting and move back or just stay away if I didn't want to be a hunter maybe they think they can help maybe they feel really bad and think they can help or something without hunting yeah yeah, yeah, that makes sense. We're also going to get a flashback episode, which will show us a young Derek and possibly a Hunter's flashback alongside that. And I would assume, I would assume that this would be about Chris. I don't, I'm not really sure who else it would be since he's sort of the focal point at this point. And this episode will explain the blue eyes. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. A little bit about the Alpha Pack. The Alpha Pack's going to be five strong. There's an Alpha Leader, which, I'm sorry, Natalie, it's not called the Alpha Alpha. It's called the Alpha... (laughs) They're calling it the Alpha and Omega, which means the first and the last. And this sort of confuses me. Why would you call... No, it's the Alpha Alpha. I'm not accepting that. (laughs) Why would you call the Alpha of the Alphas the Alpha and Omega when Omega means you know, the bottom rung of the werewolf hierarchy. That doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm going to pick it for Alfalfa. <laughs> Is that going to be the girl that was meant, not the girl in Isaac's scene, but the other girl that was mentioned in the panel? I'm pretty sure it's going to be a male who's the alpha leader. But there will be a female alpha, but not the alfalfa. Okay. (laughs) And her name will be Callie. And she's always barefoot because she has clawed feet. What do you think about that? I think that's kind of weird. But if they all have clawed fingernails, wouldn't they all have clawed feet? 
I don't know. See, this gets back into, you know, how many different types of werewolves are there and, you know, why are some of them different? Why do some of them choose to be, I mean, can you choose to be a certain way or are you just sort of born that way or I don't know. I'm assuming she's good at kicking and stuff and like does lots of scratching with her Mm -hmm. kicking feet, but I kind of assume they all had clawed feet. I don't know. (laughs) But Jeff describes Callie as their Bond villain, which I'm really excited about because I think she's going to make for a really dynamic sort of evil, not evil, but a really dynamic bad guy where I thought Erica was going to be going this past season, but Erica sort of turned out to be a lot more tame than I thought she was going to be. So Mm. I'm excited to see what Callie has up her sleeves. On to Styles. Styles is going to be a pseudo detective this season, and he's going to have a big moment in episodes two and three. He's also they're going to bring back the comedy a bit more, yay, because we know how much we love Styles and all his one-liners. Mm. And also, when asked if Styles is going to werewolf it up in season three, Jeff Davis says we're thinking about a Halloween episode and we have an idea, but he wouldn't go any farther than that. And Tyler Posey, who plays Scott, said that he wanted. Scott to have a superhero costume and he suggested that they work it into that episode and Davis uh, Jeff Davis really seemed to like that idea but I'm always excited I always really enjoy like holiday episodes especially Halloween episodes I think yeah. those really um, and really get you in the spirit for the season so I'm looking forward to this one yeah I bet that Styles will do like maybe like a Halloween costume of a werewolf that is like the same style of werewolf that Derek and Scott are in real life like he'll be like a wolfman kind of person and so they'll put him in the full <laughs> werewolf prosthetics, but he won't be a real werewolf, if you know what I mean. I don't want to do too much, like, shipping talk again, but was there or was there not a comment made where people asked about styles and shipping and Jeff said that asking if styles was bisexual would be veering into spoiler territory? Yes, this is what I got out of that. Well, first of all, um, Jeff was pretty smart and he dodged most of the steric questions. Mm. The audience seemed really into it, but he didn't he didn't really say too much about it. But somebody did ask him if they've hinted that Styles is bisexual. And Jeff did say, yes, we have hinted that he is bisexual. And they asked if they were going to have a strong bisexual character because that sort of character is underrepresented on television. And that's when Jeff said, well, that enters into spoiler territory. And he did say that one of the reasons was he said that if Dylan comes to him in the fourth season, he's like, dude, I'm totally bored with this character. Give me something. Then that allows Jeff to say, okay, well, you're bisexual now. We're going to spice it up a bit. On the other hand, he also did say that they're going to have a bisexual character coming in this season. And I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe it was supposed to be male and that we were going to have this other character come in. So it happened at the same time, but I, he didn't. You don't know if it was in reference say, to Styles. Right, exactly. So, I mean, I, I'm interested in this plot line. I think it would be really cool to see. And I agree that, you know, being bisexual and stuff is underrepresented on television. So, yeah, I would be interested in seeing it. But as far as conclusively, no, we, we really don't have any steric news and we don't have any, you know, Styles is definitely bisexual. He's going to get a boyfriend this season type news. I would really like this plot if it did happen, not even for steric stuff. Like, I don't know about steric stuff in canon. I think, as I've said, if it was going to happen in a show, I think it would be this show. I don't think it would be like Sherlock where they would be like, we're going to market our shipping 
just as far as we can, just as far as we can without actually going there, just to kind of keep you shipping crazy, or because we know that that's most of our fans. But I think that if a show was going to go there with an unexpected sort of splash pairing, Teen Wolf would actually just do it. They wouldn't pander, right. they'd just do it. But Derek aside, I think that Styles sort of discovering that he's bisexual would be very interesting to me because it is an age where a lot of boys do discover that. A lot of guys who end up bi and not necessarily gay do obviously start out with, they like girls, so they start out with girls and they never think anything of it. And as they sort of go on a bit more, they discover that they might like men as well. And they've obviously hinted that with Styles in that his sort of funny lines about whether he's attractive to gay guys and trying to, you know, tell his dad he's he's gay in order to cover up why they're actually at the gay mm. club and stuff like that. All of that aside, it is an age where people do discover more about themselves and I don't think it would be unrealistic for him to discover that at this age. It may, you know, it may be brought to his attention by meeting this other character who is male and bi, even if they don't get together. It could be something that's sort of right. like, oh, that's actually a thing, and I really would be interested to see that. Can I just say right now, Colton Haynes has just tweeted, Vegas with Holland Roden, Tyler G. Posey, and Dylan O'Brien already hit the highest jackpot on the Penny Slots celebration weekend. What is he celebrating? Why is he <laughs> celebrating with these people? Do they all hate their lives on Team Wolf? Is it like, is it like, are they all celebrating that he's got out and that Jeff Davis keeps the rest of them in a cage? Because I don't think that that's accurate. What are you doing? <laughs> well, well, Tyler Posey just turned 21, so that's probably what they're celebrating. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I know, but I was just hoping that he would, you know, yeah. that they would entice him back or something like that. He should not friends. be happy right now. He should be as sad as we are. He should be ashamed. No, <laughs> no, no. It's it's fine, but I really hope that he does come back. It's nice that they're all friends and maybe that they will maybe they will entice him back. Uh, just a couple more things here. The, the next one is, and I know we're both pretty excited about this, mm. that Jeff Davis said, I can conclusively say there will be no vampires on the show <laughs> this season. And he continues by saying, and usually my typical line is that there will never be vampires on the show Teen Wolf, but ask me that in five years when we've run out of ideas. <laughs> so Fair I sort of like fist pumped the air because you guys know that I just, I don't want to see vampires on the show because I think it's done so many times before. So I'm really happy about this. Yeah. And I like that he didn't totally write the idea off, but he basically said yeah it's pretty much not gonna happen for now yeah we're, we're good with no vampires and i know when i read the first page of the script and i heard about the puncture wounds i think yeah. i yelled at my computer and i was like no but then it said their claws and i was like oh thank god they didn't go there so yeah. i was really happy to hear this i think that they can create a lot of you know mythology that doesn't necessarily involve vampires so yeah i think that we don't need to to go there it's not team vampire <laughs> and the last thing is, and his quote kind of leads into this when he says, but ask me that in five years. Um, and I want your opinion on this, Natalie, is mm. that Teen Wolf at the moment is extremely popular. But the question is, will it last? And a lot of people wonder if they're ever going to get past this third season, if, you know, we're going to have five seasons or seven seasons or whatever. Davis says, they say the hardest season to get in a TV show is the second. We seem to have a very loyal, passionate fan base. We've got so many super fans. If they stick around and the Nielsen ratings are kind to us, we'll probably be back for more seasons, depending on how much energy I have. This show takes a lot out of me. Now, my question is, 
how many seasons do you think Teen Wolf will, you know, roughly get through? Do you think it has the chance to carry on for at least a few more years? Yeah, I think that it can. I think that it's a good idea to have sort of an end goal in mind. Like, I don't necessarily want them, you know, I obviously don't want the show to get cancelled, and I obviously don't want them to be thinking about the end too much either, but I think that if someone's like, okay, we're going to make this show and it's going to end when he graduates high school, that's when it's going to end, or it's going to end, you know, at whatever point, I think that that's a better way to do it than to necessarily, like, push it out really far beyond a point where the plot makes any sense or where like most of the lead characters have gone or something like that so I'd say maybe like oh sirens I'd say maybe like four (laughs) or five it depends if this season is going to take up a whole school year if it's going to take only half a school year like the first two seasons that we saw were covering I'm assuming one school year or close to that it starts at the beginning of the year and then sort of goes mm-hmm. to nearly the end. And I'd like to see them graduate high school at least, yeah. Yeah, the they're going to be juniors this year, so we can pretty much assume that because they were sophomores last year and the year before that those first two seasons were them as sophomores, this will be juniors, and if they get another 24, I'm assuming they'll be seniors that time. Yeah. My thing is that, that Teen Wolf is the first scripted show on MTV to go to its third season. Really? So it's already doing, yeah, and it's already doing a great job. And not only did it get to its third season, but now we have double the episodes. So maybe this is just me being in denial, but I think it has the potential. I'd like to see it to go to, at the very minimum, five seasons, if Mm. not seven. Or, you know, I'll take Beyond if the writing's still good and I'm still interested. I'm really hoping that this... The, the fact that they got a third season, the fact that they got 24 episodes, that they're, this is a good thing for them and that they'll keep going. Was there any more on the news? Nope, that's it. We finally got through that. Do you want to take the listener feedback and the contest or do you want me to do the listener feedback? You can do the listener feedback. That's cool. Okay. All right. So that's it for the news. Now we're going to get into listener feedback. And this all came from Twitter. First one is from Blue Hugh Mac, and the question is, do you think, now that Colton is out, Danny will have a more prominent role, or will he be forgotten? I hope he has a more prominent role. Me too. I think he will be. I think there has been some rumblings that he's going to be featured a little bit more. And, you know, maybe he'll sort of be the bridge. I mean, if, like, Jackson leaves or whatever he'll maybe become better friends with Scott or something and maybe try to help Lydia through, you know, whatever she's going through since Danny and Jackson were best friends. Yeah. You, you may or may not have seen the, the meme online and the, the videos online. You know, look at your life, look at your choices, and this all could have been avoided if you had a sassy gay friend. I feel like Scott could avoid a lot <laughs> if he had a sassy gay friend. So, no, I really like Danny as a person, and I really think that he would... I really like every scene involving him. Every time a plot involves him in any way, I just, I think he's a great actor and I think that it would be a really good addition for him to be maybe someone that ends up coming into the fold later in the line. And that could offer a lot of support for Styles too, considering Styles is really the most normal out of everybody if he has Danny too. Yeah. And I know a lot of people like to ship them together, so I mean, mm. hey, what? <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I definitely think that Danny's going to have, if not a more prominent role, the same amount. I don't think he's going to actually be forgotten. Yeah. He is a fan favorite, and they know that. Yeah, for sure. The next question comes from Rachel's headband, and um, the Twitter account, not actually, 
she asks, have either of you girls read the Teen Wolf novel On Fire? It takes place after season one, episode five. I have not. Is this like an official tie-in, like meant to be canon kind of thing? or I believe so. Um, I meant to actually look it up and see what sort of reviews it got, but I never got there. I haven't read it either, but I think I definitely would be interested in reading it just because you know, I love the show so much, and I mean, I love to read and everything, so yeah, might have to actually pick that up, read it, and maybe we could discuss it on the show at some point. Yeah, I, I generally really enjoy tie-in novels of shows I really like. I um, was a big Torchwood fan, and I have like 12 of the tie-in Torchwood novels, because if, if a book comes out about the show and, and it's counted as like official canon plotline stuff... I really enjoy reading that, especially when the writers sort of know the characters quite well. So, yeah, I I will definitely get a hold of it, and we can discuss it at a later point. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. And our last one's from Brooke Wentz, and she says, I'm curious to know if you like the show more on your second watch. Uh, Me and a lot of the people I know did. I am noticing a lot more on my second watch. Yeah, like, uh, I think I'm liking it on sort of a deeper level in the sense of especially some of the stuff I've said I've noticed about Jackson and and Derek. I think I'm appreciating the characters, like every moment of the characters when I know sort of more about them. So, yeah, I think that I'm definitely... It's definitely not been like, oh, I'm just watched this again and it's, it's, you know, boring now or something like that. I, I definitely do enjoy it more, I think. Yeah, that's how I feel that I appreciate the characters a lot more, especially I find Lydia because I know who she becomes and it's sort of nice to see her journey all over again. I definitely wouldn't say that I enjoy it less or anything. I I mean, I've seen both seasons a handful of times now and I just I, I keep laughing at all of the jokes and it's still engaging and funny and suspenseful. And, I mean, that's just a testament to the show itself. But, yeah, I I still really, really like the show, even watching it after all these times. I was watching it with my roommate, who both has not seen it and does not know, did not know the amount of spoilers I knew when I first started watching it. So seeing her react to it and, like, ask... Like, she asked me a question about, I think, Derek turning Scott or something. And I was like, but he didn't. Like, I was like, but I, he didn't. And I know that he... He didn't turn... Oh, I'm not sure if I did know that in the first place or not, but, yeah, the point is, uh, like, sort of watching it with her and having her reactions, really unspoiled reactions when I knew it was coming was quite interesting to me as well because mm-hmm. it definitely gave me a perspective of, like, what you're meant to know and what you're not meant to know going in, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that's about everything that we have this week. I hope that this was okay for you all. And if you'd like to tell us in the future um, what you'd like us to focus on in the recaps, feel free to do that. We didn't really know what people would be most interested in discussing in regards to episodes that are already seen. We are really very appreciative of all of the followers that we've had so far and the comments and the feedback. We've been pretty active on Twitter and Tumblr. And we actually have a little bit of a giveaway planned for our first followers. So we will actually post the details of that in the episode notes and on Tumblr. But we have a Not Another Teen Wolf podcast tote bag and a little bit of a Teen Wolf necklace as well that a very crafty friend of mine who is a fan of the show has helped make for the giveaway. It's going to be for the first lot of followers that we've had. 
and basically it will involve just listening to our two episodes and telling us your favourite quote that we've said so far, whether it was stupid or funny or whatever. <laughs> but we will post the details for that giveaway and pictures of the prizes when this episode is posted. So hopefully you guys have listened to this episode and the one prior or one or the other of them in order to, to enter the contest we if you feel like winning a, a pretty cool tote bag. So that's exciting for us that we have a piece of merchandise with our name on it. It was I wasn't expecting it. My friend was helping me work out Tumblr and she was like, here, I've done this. Uh, and she's a very, very good artist. And I was like, oh, my God. I thought it was a mock-up at first. I thought that she'd just sort of made a graphic picture of what a Teen Wolf tote bag could look like. And she's like, oh, no, no, I made it. And I was like... Sweet. Yeah. So, I was wondering that too yeah. because I at first I looked at it, I was like, oh, that looks really neat. Wait, wait, that's real. Yeah. Like, our name is on this bag. This is so cool. Yeah. And just so you guys know that we don't have this bag either. So whoever gets this, it's, you know, you're the first one to have something with our name on it. It's going to be for um, our, yeah, our Twitter and Tumblr followers. You'll need to obviously check out Hyperball to get the podcast, but we will post the details on Twitter and Tumblr as well. So we're very excited to have this giveaway straight away. It's it's very crazy. But, yeah, that, I think that's all we have for this week. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add in? No, I think that about sums everything up. Cool. Okay, so in two weeks' time we're going to record for episodes three and four of season one. So in the meantime, please do feel free to spread this podcast around. Tell other Teen Wolf fans about it if you happen to know any. Or, you know, tumble about it, tweet about it. Or get in touch with us if you want us to tell us what to do on the podcast because we're not just talking to empty air. So you might as well tell us what you would like us to say. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So thank you for listening. Uh, Hopefully this hasn't been too long. We shall see you soon. For now, I'll say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So, hello. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, God. All right. Well, this is going well. Okay. So, I think... Oh, my God. What was that? (laughs) Sounds like someone's dragging, like, a metal pipe along the road or something. The back of their truck. Why is it so loud? (laughs) Anyway, sorry about that. In this episode... (laughs) Awesome. I'm trying so hard not to laugh. Oh, you can laugh. Sorry.